0: Well, now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, the Lord is good. All right, let's take our seats and get into our teaching for today. Again, I will continue what we have been discussing for some time. and We have been talking about the select ones whom God... Um, uses. And that's what I've been trying to explain, the fact that Christians must learn to walk in the distinction that God has called them to. It's very important we get this point. It's very terrible, and God doesn't like it. One mistake we make a lot of times, we treat Christ as an idol. What do I mean by that? It's a method by which we get things done. We treat Christ like one of those other idols that we use to get the satisfaction that we want out of our lives according to worldly standards. That is, other people go to um, Obatala, other people go to Mami um, Water, they go to shrines to go and get things done. Then we feel very righteous in that we come to God through Christ Jesus, except that we don't realize that the difference between righteousness and holiness all right, subsists. It's not just righteousness that God is looking for, He's looking also for holiness. What do I mean by that? The fact that you are coming to God to go come and ask him for the things, that is righteousness. But there is what is called holiness. The reason why you are doing what you are doing. The purpose you are trying to serve in life. That is what is meant by holiness. What am I trying to do? Everybody goes to the shrine to go and pray. What do they pray for? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? Then Christians come to church. They pray the same prayer. What shall we eat? With what shall we clothe ourselves? And they make it the focus of their prayer. But because they are praying to God, they feel righteous. They forget that what is wrong with the prayer is the focus. What is wrong with what you are bringing up before him every day is that you have made the focus of your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, and with what you shall clothe yourselves. And Jesus said, these are the things that the Gentiles seek. And when we build churches sometimes, we gather around the ability to get what we shall eat, the ability to get what we shall drink, and we say that church is very powerful, that minister is powerful, why? What it supplies us all the time, it's what we shall eat. And then when we come to church, people want to give offerings. The offering is so that I can get more to eat. I hope you're getting my point. Our whole life is centered around what I shall get. Therefore, the God of miracles is the God that helps me build a house. The God of miracles is the one that helps me buy a car. The God of miracles is the one that increases me financially. And we brag about the fact that we are getting results. Listen to me, it's pure nonsense. That was not what Jesus died for. That was not what Jesus died for. That is Christianity... Not the way God made it. That is worldly Christianity. That is pure idolatry. But Jesus is the idol now. But we still worship him the same way we worship idols. We still give to him so he can give back to us. You know, (laughs) I keep on speaking against that thing. It's one of the evil that we have done to Christianity. People are not generous truly as God wants them to be. Every offering has something tied to it. That is idol worship. It's not Christianity. It's idol worship. So we have to realize that Jesus has called us for a life of distinction. He has. You know, if you remember a man like Paul, he had the abundance of revelation, abundance of it. Why did he not use it to get the things that people try to get? You know, it's like, if you have understanding, show us the results of your life. Why didn't Paul show us those results? Because he realized that he had been called to something different. He had been called to something different. Jesus said something clearly to us. It is not every, um, let me use it, put it like this. It is not every spiritual resource that God gives you that you use to do what you like. Let me, where did he say that? There was a time there was trouble. Peter began to fight. And Jesus said, don't you realize I could have asked the Father for 12 legions of angels and they would have delivered us. Basically, he was saying, even though I can ask for 12 legions of angels, I will not ask because it is not in line with the purpose of God for now. Which is the reason why he did not see Paul use the revelation he had to buy a fleet of ships and become a merchant. He didn't use that. Even though the abundance of revelations that he had could have made that easily possible for him. That is why he did not see Jesus do it like that because he had the, I mean, he had everything, but he would look and say, let's narrow ourselves to the purpose of God. That's what the Bible calls holiness. Narrowing yourself to the purpose of God for your life. That is what is holiness. He said, who made me a judge and an arbiter over you? He could have called them and by a word of knowledge told them who was wrong and who was right. He could have done that. He could have called them, and by word of knowledge, you understand, or word of wisdom, known what they should have done. But he said, no, that is not in line with the purpose of God for my life. He said, who made you me a judge and an arbiter over you? I'm talking about Christianity that is distinct. The distinctive Christianity. The distinguished Christianity. The one in which it's not just what you have power to do, that you do. You do that which is in line with the purpose of God. I think the major problem with today's Christianity is confusion of purpose. It's confusion of purpose. And the basic thing is that we are very worldly, worldly minded. So every every revelation you teach Christians must produce money. Otherwise, your, your principle is not working. <laughs> we forget that people sometimes they just deliberately refuse deliverance. The Bible says, so that they can get a better resurrection. That is Christianity. We have to be people that are heaven-minded. You know, I found out something. Balance, with Ed Cole, we say is the key to life. One of the problems is that we don't know how to balance. When I was a young Christian, okay, or oh, let me put it like this: as I was growing, begin to learn the word of faith. They gave us the impression that those who came before us did not know what they were doing because they they sang songs like "This world is not my home." You understand? <laughs> I'm on my road to heaven. You understand? So we said things that like, Christians are so heavenly minded, they are earthly useless. Those are statements you should not make it again. They should be heavenly minded. It doesn't mean they should be heavy, earthly useless, but the reason why they are earthly useless is not because they are heavenly minded. Right now, you know, one wanted to react, we went the other way. We stopped being heavenly minded. We now wanted to inherit the earth by force. We now became, we fell into the category of those that Jeremiah prophesied against. Acquiring land after land until nobody else can live there apart from us that have bought everything. I actually saw a man who was preached. He talked about how to possess the land. When he finished talking about possessing the land, I was wondering, what is he talking about here? He was talking about how he bought land everywhere. That is not possessing the land. That is not possessing the land. That is covetousness. That is not possessing the land. I hope you're getting my point here. What am I talking about here. I'm explaining the issue that God has called us to a different life. I don't want to use the word lifestyle alone. A totally different life. The people that God called, he's called them for a different purpose. That's why I began this talk from this evening. That is, it is not as if, come and use the principles of God to get earthly results. What are you trying to get as your result is the first question you should ask yourself. What are you? Because that's the problem Christians have, and sometimes, and it will happen like that. When we practice our faith, it does not produce what we want. What we want, we now step down. That's the point. We now step lower to a lower level, and we go and start meeting Anthony Robbins to teach us how to live life. The man practices New, new Age. But it has results to show. That is why you've heard me say many times, this gospel of results, I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe a word of it. Read your Bible well. There were men, the Bible says, this world was not worthy of them. They dwelt in caves. They didn't dwell in mansions. Jesus said, when you went to meet John the Baptist, what did you go to see? He said, if you are looking for men that wear soft clothing, living in luxury, he said, they are found in palaces. He said, but when you went to the wilderness, what did you go to see? You went to see a prophet. And he said, more than a prophet of all men born of women, none was as great as John. Listen to me. John did not live in palaces. David lived in them. John did not live in palaces. Solomon lived in them. John did not live in in, in any palace. Joseph lived in a palace. Jezekiah lived in a palace. But what did God say? Jesus said it like this. Of all men born of women, John Uh, What do you call it? Uh, The people I mentioned, Joseph, Moses, uh, David, Solomon. None was as, as great as John. None. Let's know how we count results. The man didn't wear fine suits. He didn't have money. He was eating locusts and wild honey. Men had to come to the wilderness to come and meet him. He did not have any principle for church growth. The people that came to his church, he insulted them. You brood of vipers, he said. Who warned you from the, to flee from the judgment to come? Yet, rulers will come and tell him. What should we tell those who sent us? Are you do, you, do you, get my point? People came to meet him in the wilderness where he was hiding. He did not have a location, you know, strategic location to promote his ministry. You know what our problem? Worldliness. Worldliness. That is what our problem is. And what am I preaching today? Let's let's leave that thing. Let me say it again. I know I may sound like a prophet of uh, doom. You know, the other day I, I read my Bible. Like I said most of the prophets in the Bible were prophets of doom. Anyway, so I'm in good company. <laughs> Go and read your Bible. Most of them were prophets of doom. Yes, sir. Yeah. It, they were not people speaking evil. They were people who were calling people to repentance. Mm-hmm. And a prophet is not the person that has the ability to see the future. My wife was talking with one woman who once we went to Ghana. He said, they were watching this man. I said, who are you watching? This guy is a fake prophet. He said, no, no, no. He's said, genuine prophet of God. He prophesied something and it came to pass. <laughs> prophesying and coming to pass is not what makes you a real prophet. You can be operating what the Bible calls the python spirit. And bringing your masters much gain. Isn't that in your Bible? What would the gain be? Except that the woman was prophesying, in quotes, things that were accurate. You go to a church, somebody's telling you that your car number, he called your car number for you, does not make him a prophet. It does not. There are different ways you get that kind of revelation. The easiest one, I have my device here, somebody can be outside, typing messages to me on the car number. In fact, you photograph you as you are coming. As I look at your face, I tell you the car you came in, how you drove in. That's the word of WhatsApp. But some actually go and use familiar spirits. And let me say this to all of everybody listening. And I'll get back to where I went into that digression. If you are operating that, God said, this year you will begin to be destroyed. All the evil that you have done will come upon you. I will render you homeless. Where you rode in big cars before you will trek there, your name will be an example of how children you will not behave. I will not let you die, but I will make everybody watch you suffer. That is the word of God. You will not die. If you look for death, I won't give it to you. If you hang yourself, I will cut the rope. If you jump into the lagoon, you will float. I will make you on on the same streets where you lied in my name. Everybody will watch you pass every day begging for food. Your children will deny you. You will be surprised. Because associating with you will be so shameful. Why? For the lie you lied in the name of the Lord. For the times that you use familiar spirits to speak in his name. You have just a few days to repent. All those of you who are performing miracles by arrangement, this year you shall die. And I'm not joking about it. You pay women 2000 to hide eggs in different parts of the body and say you are doing crusade. This year you will die. And that's without remedy. You have just a few days to repent, and your repentance will not be in secret. You must go openly, take a microphone, and say to everybody, "I am sorry. I am sorry." The Lord said, "The embarrassment I have caused you using social media is but the beginning of my judgment." Who will be alive, and you will treat like this for a long time, and they will not react? Our God is not dead. That's not my main message. Let me get back to my message. Take warnings to your pastor. The money he raised lying in my name will be used to bury him. I will cause rain to fall and wash away the buildings they built. Then the day will come, there will be no rain, there will be nothing. The thunder will strike and buildings will catch fire and they will know I'm the Lord. Now I'm explaining something here. I went to do that talking about what prophets are. It is not about somebody telling you what the future is, you know, predicting the future accurately. These people who call you to repentance. Now this is what I'm saying to the church. God is calling the church now to repentance. Enough of walking with the world. Enough of bragging on your grace. The grace that helps you, you're a pastor. You are committing adultery. And you say grace covers you. Let me discuss you for a moment. The grace you are bragging on will not save you from my judgment. You will die. Then the church can be discussing whether you went to heaven or you went to hell. That will be another discussion. But I will erase you from the surface of this earth and you will not be the first. If you want to live, repent. The grace that Jesus died for will not save you from that judgment. If you want to live, repent. There is no other way. There is no other way. Otherwise, dying, you shall die. Dying, you shall die. You can, the church can be guarded after and say, the pastor will go to heaven or go to hell. But I will have erased his ministry. Enough of leading the young people astray. You cannot be the reason why people cannot serve God. Who are you? There are those who want to repent from sin. Go and read what Peter said about them. Yet they meet some ministers, those who want to send them back into adultery, send them back into immorality, send them back into sin. And God said, you guys have exhausted my patience. You have exhausted it. You have exhausted it. I will wipe you off one after the other. What is God saying? Listen. Up. Jesus said, I prefer no church to a dirty church. I prefer no church to an unserious church. He said, I will rather spill you out of my mouth than have you look warm. For those who want to understand things, that was why God raised Islam up. I don't want to teach that in details now. That was why. You know, I say Christians are afraid. Why? Because they won't want to, because working with God, let me say it again, working with Christ Jesus is not the way to become rich. You know, I've been preaching that thing again and again since last year, or the year before, for Christians to understand. Working with Christ is not the way to become rich. If you want to be rich, go somewhere else. You can't guarantee what Jesus will do with your life. You give it to him and you leave it like that. There were those he made very rich. He said, sell all you have and give to the poor. Then come and follow me. He blessed Peter with abundant breakthrough. Peter caught so much fish. He called other people to come and help him. Peter looked at Jesus and said, "Surely, you are not a normal person." He made his confession. Jesus said, "From now on, you'll be catching men, having shown him the ability of God in his life." He drew, took him out of um, fishery business, and let me tell you, no, the apostles of those days were not the bishops of these days. They were not rich people. I'm not saying anything wrong with the bishop being rich. I'm just saying the apostles of those days. We are not the bishops of these days. They were not rich people. They were not rich people. That's why Paul said, I've learned how to abound. I've learned how to abase. Sometimes they had to abase. What I am saying is that Jesus met people who were rich, some of them, and took them out of their comfort zone. A man like Peter, having shown him that I can make people rich, then he said, now let's go and catch men. Somebody said, of course, it's not proven, but I read it from John Gilley, who was speaking, that that young ruler that he says, sell all you have, actually went eventually and sold all he had. Jesus did not say, okay, that money you give is his seed. I will now multiply it. I tell Christians, if you want to give, give. Christians are givers. It's not a way to prosper. Christians are givers. If you want to give, give. If you are looking for prosperity from your giving, please stop. You are sinning. Every time you put money in the offering basket, heaven shuts shuts down some of your breakthrough. Ah, <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> I'm trying to just say something here. So you give your life to Jesus Christ. He does what he likes with it. You can be poor, and he makes you rich. You can be rich. You meet him. He collects everything. He says, Sell everything, give to the poor. Now you come and follow me. And you'll be following the man, the son of man that had nowhere to lay his head. He will send you out on mission. Say, When you get there, look for the house of one that is worthy. He didn't give you money for a hotel. <laughs> he said, When you get to the house, say, Peace be upon this house. That is, they can tell you, don't come in. So if a man of peace is there, then they will receive you, then your peace will rest there. But if your, if the man of peace is not there, your peace will go back to you. That is, you will go from one house to the other. Why didn't you give them money? There were hotels. There were hotels. How do I know? When they wanted to give it to this Jesus, were they not looking for an inn? You will take everything you have, the way you are going on mission, say, go from house to house and ask people to host you for free. But for some people, if he says, I have given you a ministry, because wealth is a ministry. Administ- uh, being an administrator of resources for God is a ministry. Sometimes, that's my own thinking. God doesn't, in fact, not sometimes, I think most times, when you have a strong pulpit ministry, God does not want to doing secular, administ- well, I, I would the word secular, because everything is spiritual. He doesn't want to do material administration. Because it's, it's it weighs on the mind. So those that God gives heavy finances to go and manage, they basically are like the dickens of the body of Christ. It's not their money. So it can be a billionaire. It can be a multimillionaire. You'll be a church member, it's not a preacher. But God said, That is your own job for me. Go out, I will bless you. We'll invest a millionaire, I'll make it 20 in a few days. I'll make you a billionaire. But everybody has his risks. Are you getting my point? Yeah, you have to be careful that you don't become proud. You have to be careful that you don't say, my own hands brought me this wealth. You have to be careful that you don't expect pastors to see you and be greeting you specially. And if you're a pastor, please don't greet any rich man specially. That is true. You have to be very, very careful. One day, man wanted to sponsor some some work for us. (laughs) He called and said, we should send somebody to his office. Our reverend said clearly to him, we don't go to anybody's offices. I'm sure he was surprised to hear that. I don't care how much money you want to spend, I am not going to your office. If you are sick, I will come and pray for you. And I will go and pray for anybody, whether you are rich or poor. I will go. But God, please help me never to forget this. I will not come to your office because you have money. I like one the Bishop, we did both of long ago. I don't know whether he told us directly or somebody somebody said it. The man called him one day. Yeah, it was, he said when he was preaching. So that God said he should give a certain amount of money to the ministry. A huge amount. So when will he have time to, when will he send somebody to his office to come and collect it? He said, that like if the God has spoke to you they didn't describe the office, forget it. <laughs> the God that spoke to you didn't take direction to this place keep your money That's mo- I, look listen God has helped me I have that attitude in fact if you call me and tell me that kind of thing I won't call you back and as God leaves I will not come I'd rather go and carry Pong to look for money to feed my family than go to your office That you said that I should come you wanted to give the ministry something you know these are the reasons God kills people both me and you, kill the two of us. That's what I mean. I don't want to die, and I don't want you to die. <laughs> no, it's true. I'm not joking about it. Though. One day, one way, I was joking. And I said, ah, because something led to it anyway. He said, ah, Pastor Bank, if you come, if you raise the money for me, I, I said, eh, raise money for you. I said, you know, I love your wife, and I love my wife. I don't want to make any of the two of them widows. You hear? So back to the reason why I said that. So God has an assignment for each person. He can raise somebody that was poor and make him very rich. Make her very rich. You know, I was writing something today about the mark of the beast. And then, you know, something led to it. He talked about the internet and all of that. I want to talk about David Green. That's why I want to talk about it briefly. David Green owns Hobby Lobby. The family owns Hobby Lobby. The man himself, of course. And his children. Serious Christian. In fact, once, because we have read this, we have read story, once my wife when we went to the U.S., she said, she just told her friend, find me Hobby Lobby. She went looking for Hobby Lobby to go and buy something in Hobby Lobby. David Green personally started, maybe we have joined now, funding the U-Version Bible. You have, almost everybody listening to me have it, you have it on your, Bible, on your phones. And I was reading yesterday that they have, as at now, U-Version Bible, the Bible app it is called, has been installed on 420 million devices right now. 420 million devices. It offers, the, you know what they call the interface, the one you open it, you can English, and it offers the interface in 60 different languages and offers over 2,000 Bible versions in over 1,000 languages. You see what I said? On my device, I have Yoruba Bible and Ibu Bible there. Yes. Yoruba Bible has two versions. <laughs> yes, there are two versions there. Funded by this man's family. He funds all kinds of things. When Barack Obama wrote some laws those days, he challenged them. He won in the Supreme Court, in, in Appeal Court. He lost in the, super, in the lower courts. Then he went to the Court of Appeals, and won. And that was the first time I realized it was possible. He appealed the judgment to the Supreme Court. Do you hear what I said? He won in appeal and said, no, I want the Supreme Court to hear it. So he took it to the Supreme Court, and they, they kept on praying, and he won. Say said, why? He said, he doesn't want anybody to change it. Do you understand? Because somebody else can drag it to the Supreme later. He said, no, no, let's finish this fight. He said he was not going to provide contraception and abortion as part of the health system for his workers. That is a faith-based business, and Barack Obama cannot force him to do it. That was why he went to court. Why am I telling this story? He was a poor man, yet he's a billionaire. God raised him not to come and preach. No, no, no. He has provided Bibles now. And that's not the first missionary work he's doing. No? He, does, he sponsors all kinds of missionary works. He loves the Bible. It's as if God just gave him money to go and push the Bible. He makes sure everybody can get it. So he say it's digital era. In fact, why I was quoting it is that people say Antichrist will use technology. I said Christ is also using technology. There is no space in technological world for Christ and Antichrist. Everybody take your portion. No, it's like telling me that Antichrist will spend money, so Christians should not spend money, or government should not release money. There's no money for Christ and Antichrist. Those who want to serve Antichrist, they use their money. we read the Bible. They give their power and their authority to the beast. Yeah. That's what you do. So this internet is a new tech. The man said, no problem. We will use it to push the knowledge of God so that, listen, Saudi Arabia may tell you, you can't bring the Bible there, and tell them you can't download your version. Let me see. Do you get my point? Yes, sir. Now, I just drop that one to let us know. God raises people for different reasons. He will raise some people and say, "Look, you go and be a preacher, preach in the church, preach in the cities, share the word of God." He will raise another person and say, hey, "Wait, wait, wait, you're not a big man in quote, of God. You're a secondary school pastor. You're going from one school to the other. That is the way he wants it." We tell another person, "Hey, no, no, you go to university, go and teach. You go to secondary school." Go and teach. I don't mean teach, Bible now. I mean physics, chemistry, biology, additional math, or further maths, geography, English, literature, <laughs> basic tech. Go. He takes his people and shares them to different places. He will tell some people, no, 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 stay at home. You're going to have seven children, eight children, raise them up. Don't do anything that will distract you from raising them for me because that first boy is my next, my next David Green. The second one is my next Deborah. That's a girl. The third one is my next, David Livingston. Are you getting my point? This one will be a president of a country. This one will run a Bible school. So no, raise them for me in righteousness. No competition. In the body of Christ, everybody is important. Those days in church, we used to use the title, brother, a lot. When I will come to church, they will be acting, adding doctor to their name. If I that thing a noise, when I get them, they say, Dr. Banky, I say, what's wrong with you calling me either Brother Banky or Pastor Banky? People think it's honor. It's not honor. It irritates me. In case you never knew. My wife knows. My wife, I told people, this name you call my husband, he doesn't like it, though. When we're in church, either use Brother Banky or if you must, use Pastor Banky so that they'll know that I preach. But Pastor is also not a promotion. I hope you understand that. It is not when you have clean chair enough. We now promote you to be deacon. After that, you now become pastor. These are the confusion we have created in the body of Christ. People that are supposed to be cleaning the chair with joy. They are looking forward to the day they will give them a microphone. They give them a microphone and they will start preaching, in no heresy. There are people I see on the pulpit sometimes. I just say, God, please remove this guy from there before he kills himself. That thing I've said is not a joke. One day I was watching TV with my wife many years ago. And one man was there preaching. They gave him a, they gave him a title bishop. Ha! I told my wife, why is this guy preaching? I said, this guy, can't you he see he's not called? I had no doubt that he's a Christian. I said, but this man is not called to do this work. I was so alarmed for him that day. <laughs> Two years later, he was dead. I told my wife, did I not tell you he was, he's not called? I told my wife, I said, do you know what happened to this guy? You know, that day we were watching him, I said, I, I said, this man is not called. Who gave him this job? Who gave him this title? So I tell Christians, be very careful when they are promoting you. Some people have been promoted out of their destiny. Oh, they promoted them. Because they go to a church where pastor is high ranking. So he came to the church. He's just, the Bible says he that give it. He's one of those people like David Green in his own level. So because he's one of those that give it, pastor says he's faithful. He's not faithful. He's doing his ministry. He's not more faithful than the young man or young woman that comes early to keep the place clean. So they promoted him. They sent his name to headquarters for follow up. <laughs> People that should be sitting down arranging the economy of nations, we make them pastors. People should be sitting down setting up good hospitals and running them well. We call them deacons and pastors. Deacons don't really a problem, is that Pastor One? We now put that foolish sticker on his car. Pastor, have you seen that sticker? Also, terrorize people. Why? Because he was confused in so thinking that this is promotion. People of God, it is not promotion. It's an office. When I say office, now each person is called to his own. If you read your Bible, we are not teaching about that in details now. A pastor is not an administrator, he is a teacher of the word. That's why Paul said some are called pastors and teachers. He joined it. It is not a rank. Those days in some churches, let me not call names, we are ending this thing with life everywhere people have funny titles. Evangelists, senior evangelists, most senior evangelists, supreme evangelists. <laughs> I said, now wow. I don't know if you want to go to heaven. Go ahead. We, st- we, we, we know. The problem I have with the titles is that first, we confuse people. You are committed to the church does not mean we should promote you to that title, pastor. It doesn't. It doesn't mean it at all. If you are not called to preach... Called to teach the word. Don't collect the title. They will just use it to confuse you. Because in the body of Christ, I'm going to emphasize something. Everybody has his assignment. Everybody should magnify his office. What does it mean? I'm not saying I'm bigger than you, better than you. That is, let me do it and enjoy what I'm doing. Everybody, just do your own. Because we pastor sometimes we make that mistake. A man gives, gives, gives. You have to promote him. So that he won't go away anyway. That is the reason why we do it. You know, mammon. Mammon is very terrible. It confuses the wisdom of the wise. So I give him a title so he won't go to another church. God said, don't worry. <laughs> it's because your church is still standing. That's why you don't want him to go somewhere else. When I close him, close you, close the church. All of you will find somewhere you will go. A man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. Why? Right? The Lord is good. Oh, I've not started my message for today. Let's start the job. Oh, we're talking about this. Even maybe start laughing. You may start laughing, but that is the truth. I have not yet started my message for today. I just want to emphasize something in everything I've said so far. That God has called every one of us, we His people, He's calling us, come out from amongst them and be separate. And don't touch the unclean thing. That's what I'm going to emphasize. Come out from amongst them and be separate. Let's remove worldliness from our motivation. The material success you have says nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing about what God thinks of you. Nothing. Material success says nothing. You can be a sinner sinning in church every day and still be materially successful. I hope you know that. Is that how do I know? It's in the Bible. Satan came to Jesus and said what? Bow to me and I will give you what? Everything. See the kingdoms of this world. I will give it to you. And people are bowing every day and collecting. And the fact that you are not materially successful also says nothing about the opinion of God in the way the world looks at material success. Two churches we see in the book of Revelation two diametrically opposite churches in wealth, but so were they diametrically opposite in the opinion of Jesus concerning them. One, he said, I know of your material poverty. He said, but let me let you into a secret. I think you are very rich. He looked at the other church He said, because you said I am rich and have need of nothing and you do not know, That you are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked. He drilled it in. (laughs) Okay, get my point. Now, let me explain it to you. Who is your bigger? The bigger your car, the poorer you are. That's what I think of you. So, our church has seven billionaires. He said, So do they have seven wolves in sheep clothing? He said, The church in Smyrna, he looked at and said, I know of your poverty. He said, But you are rich. So the one in Laodicea, they are the ones he told, you are poor, you are blind, you are miserable, you are wretched, and you are naked. Please, let's not confuse ourselves. So that guy is doing well now. I do you know he just bought a new car? Uh Don't you know robbers also do buy new cars? Drug dealers buy new planes. Listen, the aim, what God is achieving in our lives is bringing forth Christ-likeness in each individual. Let's not forget it, though. If he has to collect every material thing you have to succeed in doing that, he will do it. He has to do it. Otherwise, he's failing in his duty. Because he's purifying the church for himself so that she will be pure, without spot or blemish. So if it is too much money that is not letting the man remove the spot in his life or the Jesus says, okay, come give me the money. would drive away the... Even the demon of prosperity would drive him out of your life. Not only the angel of prosperity. Everybody leave this guy alone. That is a call to coming out of the world and be separate. Let me ask you something, something quickly. You know, many of the things we are trying to achieve with all this, you know, running away from divine principles and following that is following the ways of the world, instead of following the way of God, if only we will stay with him. I hope you're getting my point. If Honestly, you know, Jesus said something. He said, my meat or my nourishment comes from doing the will of him that sent me and finishing his work. Sometimes people are telling me that I want to move to here, I want to move to this city or move to this country and all of that. And my question is why? I always tell people that if your issue is how to be comfortable, that's a very stupid way to make a decision. If you want to be comfortable in life, you get on your knees and ask God for comfort. But then your primary the thing that must push you up and down is how do I do the will of him that sent me and how do I finish his work? It's not how do I prosper. It's how do I do the will of him that sent me and how will I finish his work? Sometimes It means, and what I want to say, I mean it literally. In doing the will of him that sent you, you may not have money. I know it's not in line with the gospel of prosperity, you know. But the fact is that that is the way it is. And it's your scriptures like that. There was a young man plowing, the Bible says, with 12 yoke of oxen. That's to let you know two things. One, the size of land he has to plow. And the amount of wealth they had in their family. And then, a prophet passed by him and took his mantle and threw upon him. You know who I'm talking about? Elisha. Elijah passed by him, threw a mantle on him. And Elisha knew what it meant. So he ran after him. Ah, can I quickly go and settle to my family, "Greet my people bye-bye? Elijah looked at, yeah, it's your life, do as you like with it. And suddenly, Elisha realized that there's a narrow door of opportunity here to step into the will of God for my life. He took, now listen to this, he took all the animals he was plowing with, slaughtered them, used the yoke they used to do the plow, to create fire. Basically, he was saying, bye-bye, To a life of rich family, to become the prophet of God. God didn't say, you know, increase the size of the farm. Then you have money to sponsor the different Elijahs. There are many schools of prophets around. You remember that time? Everywhere Elijah will go, they will say, ah, they will tell Elijah the sons of the prophets. They tell Elisha, did you know that uh, your master is going today? From one place after another. There were many <laughs> schools of prophets those days. And they needed money too. Because, of, ah, the Bible has all the complete stories. One day the one went to go and borrow an axe. You know why he went to borrow an axe? They did not have. Then the metal head of the axe fell into the water. That one shouted, ah, my master, oh, holy Pari, say, if he has so much money, why don't he be shouting, My master, alas it was borrowed. They would have said, Oh, that one don't fall inside. Judas, go and buy another <laughs> another one, replace for the-. no, they didn't have. Prophets those days, There are schools of prophets. Anyway, let me not start talking about them. But God just took Elisha out of where he was, made him fulfill the assignment for his life. That is when we want to make decisions, I, I, I keep on telling Christians, forget what is comfortable. Just, see, just put it in mind that God has a will, both in this situation and for my life, generally. That is my whole life. And I need to pursue the will of him that sent me and finish his work. So get on your knees. Say, Lord, oh, you, I know you have a will for my life. I don't know it yet. I don't know it yet. Let me not lie. I'm not saying I know it. But please, let me not make any decision. Let me not marry anybody that will not let me fulfill it. Let me not make decisions that will take me away from it. Because people will do. Paul said, Demas has departed from me. Having fallen in love with this present world, then he moved over to Thessalonica. You must understand. Paul was somewhere. Money was lean. Persecution once in a while. Thessalonica was booming. The man could start a church there. And they, on his bed they'll gather money and buy him a new, is it chariot? I don't know what <laughs> they were writing. Why start a church in Igorodu? When well, you can start in Victoria Island. So Demas said, Brother Paul, this is your Shagamu ministry. It's not the will of God. <laughs> Let's move to where the action is. Where one Sunday morning you can raise a hundred millionaire, and you did not even bring any fire brigade preacher. It's just an in-house raise. If you now bring an apostle of prosperity, <laughs> you know there are so many people going around town calling themselves apostle of prosperity. I said, God will soon punish you. Just <laughs> be going around deceiving everybody like this, apostle of prosperity. Just call yourself your real name. I'm mean, money raiser. If an apostle of prosperity go to the market, prophesy to the market. Let us why is in an inside church building? You will be an apostle of prosperity. Lay hands on him. Ah, when Elisha wanted to show us he was an apostle of prosperity, he asked the woman, "What do you have in your house?" Did you need to collect an offering? All these apostles of prosperity there's only the pastor that knows you are apostle. That when you come, the offering will be heavy. you are a liar. They're a false prophet. A false apostle. They used to move around those days. That was what Demas saw. And he ran away to Thessalonica. So that's why ministry is good. Not the one that you finish preaching. You sit there at night. They will tell you, God bless you. And they, all of them will go home. Hunger will <laughs> almost kill you. <laughs> but you do not realize that God, listen to me, people of God. God even has a specific geographical location for every single one of his children each time. Each time. How do I know it? I always tell "Christian." of course, we don't have enough time to discuss all of those things. And neither do we have enough answers anyway. But one thing is that 75% of the solution, or of the answer, comes from just knowing that he has. Are you getting my point? That is just to know, that Lord, I'm not here to ask you that uh, give me to where land is good. No. Just make sure, Father, I'm asking you that I'm in the place you want me to be at each point in time. The Lord is good. Let me get into my message. Let's start. I want to read the scriptures. I mean, all of you that are laughing at me you your soul, God will bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> All right. Let's start from the book of John, chapter fifteen. Up till now, I was just speaking, just trying to connect with what we, where we were before, and I believe I was bringing the word of God by His Spirit. Don't expect that the prophetic anointing is the one that's always blessing you. If it never corrects you, both you and the prophet will soon enter into a ditch. Did you hear what I said? If your prophetic anointing is always blessing you, you have a problem. 90% of the work of a prophet is to bring correction. That's why you go and read your Bible. Most of Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Amos, Micah, Micaiah, Nahum, all those people. That's why you see them always shouting that for these three sins of Adam and for four, I will not relent in his punishment. He doesn't want to punish Adam. He's just hoping that Adam will hear. here. Because when Jonah went to Nineveh, Jonah said, good, I'll go kill everybody. God said, no, I didn't want to kill anybody at all. (laughs) And Jonah was so angry. What kind of nonsense is this? They'll be calling me false prophets. But if you read Jonah, Jonah said, of all those prophets of those old times, he was the most anointed. That the anointing upon him was so great, the kind of revival he commanded, nobody has ever did. The primary duty of a prophet is to call you to repentance, not to bless you. What we call the prophetic, a lot of times the body of Christ these days is nothing but it shall be well. This year is a year of greatness. You know, I hardly ever encountered a nature that says a year of repentance. We are healing the heart of the daughters of the people of God, not slightly, saying peace, peace. Went for holiday? Now I told the story here some time ago. Now, one of my sisters, prophetic anointing, a true prophetic anointing, went for a prayer meeting in the house of a rich woman, I we imported a prophet from far. All those imported prophets that God did not send. See, I told all of you this year. Your own, don't pay me, don't over. Better go and find another job. Stop this nonsense, oh. There are jobs you should not take, even if they offer you. He said, be a prophet. He said, no, I don't want to be. Go and check the prophets in the Bible. They're very locked-hand people. There's a reason behind it. They understand what prophecy was. But this is every small boy says he's a prophet. I saw one boy the other day. What prophet did he call himself now? If your life is tight, check your tight. If you are sick, check your seed. What's the last one now? If you are suffering, check your offering. I just said, this boy doesn't want to live long. He's starting from ministry like this. Okay. But that's all this nonsense. Small boy, he has bought a, a, you know, a blue suit. <laughs> he didn't even buy a black one. Call himself a prophet. I said, This guy, it's not your fault. Go and ask him, most. They say, Moss, all prophets. say, I was never a prophet. They just sent me to come and deliver a message. Elisha, <laughs> they said, Take over the mantle. He said, Please let me go and greet him at home. All this rush to become a prophet is prophesying for money. That's the problem of people. They invited a prophet for that meeting. <laughs> prophet was shouting, it shall be well, it shall be well, it shall be well, it shall be well. My sister didn't know what she shouted. It will not be well. <laughs> the prophet was surprised. She just said, no. The Lord said it will not be well. The woman died that week. Why the important prophet has been shouting, Shall be well. I declare your enemies. (laughs) They are gonna scatter. (laughs) See, I found how you know false prophets. They always have one guy behind shouting, Hey man. That's how you know them. My papa, you are too much. That's how you know them. They are all over Nigeria, Southern Africa, East Africa. My papa, you are forensic. My papa, you are too much. No, before I used to, I thought they were genuine prophets. I used to say, why won't this guy tell this guy to shut up? How can you be prophesying? Look, those are evil spirits. They need to be wound up. You see them praising a man constantly and they say he's prophesying. Are you false prophets. 2020. Mm-hmm. Nonsense. How did I get there? <laughs> I see them on the It just makes me laugh. A man is ministry. Look at those people that were doing those jokes with uh, somebody's arm. Say, hey, see power. Power, pass power. I said, if it was the real spirit of God, it would depart. Those, were, those are things that grieve the spirit. That's why I know some people are fake. You are praying for somebody and they are healing you. Everybody should know that you are fake. I saw that one pouring water. Hey, someone said, see power. I just, this has to be fake. Nobody hails the Holy Spirit when he's walking. Hail the Holy Spirit for what? When he moves, you are silent. Everybody has to be silent. Creation will be silent. When he's done with his work. you raise your hands in worship. I'll be healing a man and say, Hey, I see my papa. Well, he's here too much. He's walking miracles right now. You should, that's how you know fake. Prophets. They are so easy to know. I see them. Come out from among them and be separate. This is the year of the judgment of the Lord. Against all this embarrassment of his name. Uh-uh. His name will be exalted. Yes, his name must be exalted. His name must be holy. 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 That is his name. Everyone that wants to play with his name, get ready for his response. His hand will do awesome things, and your eyes will see it. And he will stand with those who mock him, mock his name. You want to do your business, there's no problem with it. Start your business. Call it Ajanaku Enterprises. Spiritual divination and. You know, spirits that people motor, you know or get ministry, thank you. And go there and call on Baal. Call on Molek, Call on Obatala, Ogun, Amadioha. All of them. Let them stay with you. Jesus will leave you alone. But if you accidentally, if now your printer, your printer mistakenly prints the name of Jesus on that thing, And you foolishly take a microphone and stand on the pulpit and mention his name. He will come in. I like the prophecy of Amos that you are looking for the day of the Lord. He said, the day of the Lord, you don't know how it is. He says, like a man running from a lion, he jumps a bear. He runs away from calamity outside. He gets into his house, puts his hand on the wall and a serpent bites him. God will say, I will come Against you like a beer. Robbed of her clubs. Of her cubs. I will come against you like a viper trapped against a wall. If you don't like trouble, just put Baal worship. Call your grill center. Ekanka. What's the name of that guy in the bathroom? Guru Maharaj. Olumba, Olumba, Obu. Just write it there. And I will leave you alone. There's no space for everybody. They let my children preach. But if you mention my name so as to corrupt it, you will know the kind of God that I am. I said we should open somewhere, right? Yes, John chapter 15. I'm children of God. Listen to this. Before I read John chapter 15. There's another word for everybody. I've been talking about those who sit, stand in front. Those who go because of need for prosperity, miracle, answer to this and that. They are jumping from one house of one prophet to the other and collecting demons to follow you home. Be warned. That's all I have to say. Be warned. It is evil before the Lord to be jumping from one false prophet to another you are looking for miracles and you should know they are lying to you. Eight years ago they told you your neighbor was the problem. Five years ago they told you it was your boss in the office. Last year now it became your wife with her mother and you are still going there. How else will you be corrected? Which kind of foolishness an adult like you Eh, because they will never, this is how I define false prophets. They never tell you you are the problem. It's always your neighbor. One day I sat down on TV, also, uh, stand, I was watching TV with my wife one day, I watched one guy, said, just this guy is false, he's lying. Handsome guy, I received nice suit, you know, they are suits, very fine. This is the falser they are, the finer they are suits. <laughs> now, that's not a scriptural right? this. just me talking, I may be wrong, I'm just... <laughs> okay, very handsome guy, trendy. Calling you, come. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I see your star is about to rise, but well, some people are covering it. Some people are covering it. They're from. You, you, this is, you to describe. I just said to my wife, these are for, 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 false prophets. That's how you know them. They don't even have real divining spirits. No evil spirit is divining for them. They just like to talk nonsense. Blame all the troubles of your of your life on somebody else. That is exactly how to define a false prophet. I say it again. He's a false prophet. She's a false prophet or prophetess that sees your neighbor as a cause of your problems and never calls you to righteousness. People of God, sit at home and read your Bible, study the word of God, get on your knees and pray. Tell God, search me. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. If there's any hurtful thing that is in me, reveal it. Lead me in the everlasting way. Pray like that. You will be healed faster. Some people, they they don't give offerings. So there's no space, again, in the offering basket. Looking for what? Looking for one miracle or the other. God said, oh, that you will have hearkened unto me. Your righteousness, how this again, will be like the waves, you know, like the sea. And your well-being like the waves of the sea. Righteousness like a river. And your well-being like the waves of the sea. But he said, no, we'd rather go and give offerings. We'd rather stay all night praying against our enemies. And every power. Fighting our destiny. You prayed it six years ago. You are still it today. That, shouldn't that tell that our prayer is not working? Ken Hagin said the Lord told him at the point in time. He said, because he got into deliverance too. Casting out strange spirits. He said, if you think you have seen manifestations, you have not seen anything yet. They almost saw people walk up the, wall, <laughs> up the wall. He said, their lives were not changed one bit. They were still sick. There was no improvement in their lives. We the did deliverance, we were tired. Of course, the kind of man he was, he went to go and pray and said to the Lord, What is going on? The Lord answered him clearly. He said, You want to do by this your prayers what only my word can do. He, he, he got the correction. He stopped the deliverance meeting, stopped all of them. And God said, Listen, teach the people the word. Teach them the word. Let them know, now I'm adding my own words now. I'm about to add my own. Let them know the precepts of God. Let them know the promises of God. Let them know the commandments of God. Let them know what God requires of them. Let them know what God has promised them. Let them know how to stand resisting temptations. That's how you resist the devil. Let them know all of these things. So he began to teach. He began to teach. He said he pastored for 12 years and not one church member died. The first ego. Every single one got healed. Some of them got cancer. They will use, that they will stay on the word, they will get healed. So, but there was no dramatic healing in church, apart from one or two cases. But in their homes, they kept on getting healed. People are still looking for who oh, come and do village deliverance for them. So, this weekend now, we are celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You should know that in Christ you have been, in fact, that's what I wanted to preach. I don't know how I've just been staying on this thing until now. I've been trying to read this John chapter 15 for the last uh, one hour or so. But we shall read it. It's not our Bible. We will we read it. We will we, we read it. Saints of God settle down. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge and understanding will be the stability of your times, the Bible says. Enough of blaming people. Some people are so paranoid. Ah, I dislike paranoid people. If their door doesn't open, they cast they out the demon from the door. When the young, one young woman met me. I went to preach. So I should pray for her. I said, what? That there's something in her throat. That she dreamt that her mother gave egg, her egg to eat. So I said, uh-huh. That she pray for her. Me, pray for you. Spit the egg out now if you don't want to eat. 13 so is stuck in her throat. <laughs> I remember that day. I was sitting in the car. I just I was about to leave. I told the you, get away from there. <laughs> I said, you see, these are you to sit down and watch serious things. You are watching home movies. You are watching Maji and she's turning somebody to a witch, a wizard. He said, but the thing is in her throat. I said, you forgot you, forgot you are talking to a doctor, Abby. I gave her the medical name for it. I said, it's anxiety that is stopping you. They are afraid. So everybody knows what they call lump in the throat. Who doesn't get lump in the throat? That's just the way it is. It happens when you are tense. I said, my friend, get away from there. Me pray for you because you dreamt. I said, how do they make people witches who don't want to be Witchcraft, not by force. Do you get my point? They initiate you to witchcraft in your sleep. You should know that's not a true witchcraft. They've never been able to make you a graduate in your sleep. They make you go to class, <laughs> read, and pass exam. <laughs> They've never been able to prosper you in your sleep. How come it's only witchcraft? They can't initiate you witchcraft in the dream. I said, my friend, I don't get Get away from there. Let me pray pray you No, know, there are prayers that if I pray, God will have to punish the two of us. Did you know that? Oh, it's in the Bible. You don't know? It's Ezekiel chapter fourteen. We're not reading it now. Because some people will do a lot of sins. Iniquity. They put before their eyes the stumbling block of their iniquity. Now comes to the prophet. Say, now, inquire of the Lord, the will of God for us. God said, well, no hala." If the prophet is prevailed upon and he answers them, he said, I'm the one that have decided to destroy both of them. He said, as the judgment of the prophet is, so will be the judgment of the inquirer, the two of them. So there are prayers I don't pray. Tell me, I dreamt, and they initiated me, initiated me into witchcraft. I should pull you out by my prayer. Lie, lie, because God will have to punish the two of us. So, what should you do? Go back home and say I'm not a witch. I'm not a We'll not be by force. Can you be saved by force? You are sleeping. Jesus appears to you in your dream, and you reject him, and you are still saved. Is it possible? That's the one that makes me laugh. These people say that um, the, the, once you are saved, Jesus said. Whatever my father has given me, I did not lose any one of them. That once you're saved, the work that God did for you is eternal. I said, ah. is anybody arguing that fact? Are you arguing that fact, Jukes? What we are saying is that even though you are saved, you can walk away if you don't like. Jesus does not make salvation compulsory. He saved you today. You can say, Jesus, I don't want your salvation again. There was one I, I told the story the other time. I now went to go and verify. I always do, do that when I, I, I quote some, something. I went to verify. The last I heard of him was bragging that he's a Christian. The last I heard, last year, he said he's no longer interested in Christianity or in Jesus Christ. Some people told me that he's still saved. No, we we, we behave as if the, we're not dealing with a real God. We're dealing with a computerized God. You have, you have removed the delete button from his... From his, um, He, he keep this thing, so he can't delete anything. I said, I don't know the God yourself. That was not what my God said. What he said is that if you want to be kept, I will keep you. Nothing will be able to separate you from me. But if you want to walk away, the door is yours. That is what the Bible says. For those who want to understand, I don't want to get into controversy now. Please, listen to this. I, I'm, I'm one of those that believe. That I don't live in fear of loss of salvation. I don't. And I don't preach to him. I preach assurance of salvation to people. But please don't insult our spiritual intelligence by telling us that somebody who denies Christ is still sin. No. Please, don't insult my intelligence. God can keep anyone that wants to be kept. Every single one. But the Bible tells us clearly, if they choose to walk away, say they walk away into destruction. Paul now said, We are not of those that walk away. People, some people do, they choose to walk away. Go and read Kennedy's book, um, Triumphant Church. You see the long suffering of God, the long suffering of Jesus Christ. But the woman said, I don't want him anymore. It's not by force. And anyway, I went into that talking witchcraft, right? They can't make you a witch if you don't want to be. Say, so my mother she told me when I was young. I tell them, I'm not doing it again. People, they come out house by house. Is it which house they're not going to feel I, I don't know where you get my point. There are people that leave husbands that I don't want to marry again. I've seen it before. They just get up in the morning. Just pack their bag. What I do you. Nothing. I just, I'm tired of marrying you. If you can leave a husband that will join you together in church. Is it witchcraft craft coven you will not be able to leave? Tell them, I'm not doing again. She cannot. John chapter 15. We will read it all. (laughs) We will read it today. (laughs) From verse 1. We are talking about select ones that God uses. He said, I'm the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Now, I'm going to read a long portion of that, so please just follow me patiently. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and as a result, I will abide in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Now notice that you have to abide in Christ. Please, before I read further, I just want to emphasize something here. Being in Christ, as you can see, now please, let me explain something here. Let's try and avoid common sense Christianity. Just stick, you know, the core. We can, you know, put things around it, but the center must be what the Bible says clearly. I, I hope you're my point. Like when people tell me that no, a Christian can never stop being a Christian. It says it again and again that it happens before. It has happened before and it it happens. And there are many scriptures that we're not teaching about that now. No matter how nice your doctrine is, if the scripture says something clearly against it, you got to drop that doctrine. I hope you're getting my point here. And I can't imagine that Jesus Christ wastes words. When he says abide in me, what does that tell you? It is possible to drop out. So he was telling them, abide in me. Do that deliberately. It involves spiritual energy. It's not a difficult thing, but it's a determined thing. That is, you must determine to do it. That's what I'm going to explain. It's not hard. But at least you must be determined. What God does is that every day, temptations come to us. Once in a while, in those temptations, you keep showing to Jesus that you are abiding in him by choosing that which pleases him. That's all. Please let's get that clear. So it says, Abide in me. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch. And dries up. What does that tell you? It is possible for a branch, even in Christ, to be thrown away. True of us. I'm not the one that said it. It's your Bible. But he said it shouldn't happen to you. He said when the branch is thrown away, it dries up and they gathered them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit, so that you prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Now, I'm going to stop reading that one there, okay? Uh, No, I think I should add verse 12 to it. Yeah, let me just add verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Let me just stop that one there. Then I want to read another long portion. This one I may have to read the whole chapter. Actually, that's one I was thinking of earlier. But let's see how far we can go because of time. I want us to be done in not too distant a time. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 my initial intention was to read all of this but seeing how much um, time we have left and how much I have spoken taking up quite a bit of time I may have to leave this till next time now I want to read from the New Living Translation so that we can get the sense very easily it said whatever happens my dear brothers and sisters rejoice In the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I still do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who are evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. But we who worship by the Spirit of God are the true ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. I need to say this again. We rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human efforts. He says, though I could have confidence in my own efforts if anyone could? Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And he began to list for us the things that were his confidence that should have been. Circumcised on the eighth day, pure-blooded Israelite, tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, a Pharisee, Obedient to the strictest form of the law. I was so zealous, he said in verse 6, that I harshly persecuted the church. As for the righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Now, he said in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now, for time's sake, please, I'll just jump to a few verses. He said, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Okay, I think I cannot stop that one there. Now, last uh, meeting, what I explained to us in our series is about the fact that there are different realms in life. And I just feel like today when I was planning, everything I've said so far was not part of the plan. This is where the plan actually began from, all right, or begins from. All right, so when I was meditating about what we said last time, and especially since this is uh, the weekend in which we remember the the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus, we call it Easter weekend, I just realized that we should explain again really what that resurrection thing is, what it's about. We said last time that there are two realms in life. Basically looking at from the Christ perspective, there's a the realm of Christ and there's one that's outside Christ. There's a the realm of the spirit, which is what we are talking about, and then there's a the realm of the natural. The realm of the natural, everybody is born into it. He that is born of flesh is flesh. He's born of the will of flesh. He's born of the will of man. That's the way everybody is. But he that is born again, he that has come to know Christ Jesus, is born into the realm of the spirit is born into the realm of Christ. This realm is different from that of the realm of flesh. I explained that we may look like each other. Everybody may look like flesh. Just like God, Jesus came with two angels, and they all looked like normal men. And they walked into the house of Abraham, and they ate food. Yet they were not normal people. You couldn't kill them. You could, that food could not poison them. They were, there was the Lord and two angels, They were on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah to go and execute his judgment. We said in the same manner, even though we are born of flesh, we can become, even in this life, translated to people who walk in the realm of Christ. And that was what John was explaining to us when he discussed that. So if we are born of the spirit, we have opened the door and stepped into, we are stepping into a kingdom. Jesus said, except a man be born again. So that's what to be born again, what it means. You have been introduced into a walk in another kingdom. Just like a natural baby when he's born. Maybe, you know, staggering here and there after some months. You understand? Initially, he's being fed with milk, being fed with milk. That, that, that baby, you have to take care of it. That baby, you have to, you know, he can't take care of himself or herself at all. Then he begins to walk. They get stronger in walking naturally. That's exactly the same that happens when it comes to walking in the kingdom. We are born. Sometimes we don't even realize what we are up to. We don't even realize what we have been born into. Do you get my point here? Okay, so we make our mistakes. We stumble, we fall, we get up, we crawl. But we keep growing. We keep feeding ourselves with the word of God. And by that, in that process, we are learning. Okay, we are becoming people who can walk in the realm of Christ. Now, that's where the problem is. When I say where the problem is, that we are surrounded by the natural people. And they keep feeding us with natural things. So that instead of growing in Christ, we are growing in the flesh. I don't know whether you are getting my point. That's the problem with education sometimes. they, They 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 attack they attack attack your spiritual knowledge so much. And let me say something. I wish you would understand that this life, okay, is so spiritually controlled. The control of life is absolutely spiritual. What happens, okay, is that you if you generally every human being. Trains is himself or herself or the society trains us in a carnal walk. So the spiritual walk now appears, you know, like impossible, unnatural. Do you get my point? As if it's something that is just stories you you, 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 you know you learn. Let me give an example. Just very simple example. Everybody that knows anything about life will know what I want to say. People, now, physical senses, we have five, right? Sight, smell, touch, taste, hearing. We know that already in the realm of you know, natural sciences. That anytime you lose one, you increase the strength of the other. And the best example is in sight. People that don't see, okay, they smell better than people of their level. They identify people easily with their... Like if you walk past, they they know your perfume. If you change it, they know. They associate... Then their ability to hear is also... And listen, because our ability to smell differs from one person to the other, naturally speaking, okay? That's genetically. But even for their own level, they amp up the little... Whatever sense of smell they have. Why? That is what they have, they need to use to decode the world around them. A natural person cannot read the Braille. You know they call Braille? The ability to spatially differentiate points, you know, to tell two points apart, okay, is wired both in the finger and most importantly in the brain. So if I put two pins on your hand, if I keep moving them closer and closer, we used to do those tests those days when we were junior students in physiology. You want to check how far they will be apart before the person stops feeling them as two but as one. If they are too close, you can only feel it as one. So if I bring them a particular maybe less than maybe one, less than 1 millimeter apart a blunt tip I put it on your hand you will feel it as one point. If I separate them you can feel it as you know two. A blind person can separate them as two no matter how hard you bring them close together. That is why you can easily read the braille and he reads it fast. If they give you a normal person the braille you run your finger over it they, they, a lot of the double dots you read it as one. Why? You have your eyes. You're not wicked. You just have your eyes. You're not lazy. You just have your eyes. And the way God has designed you, the more you have your eyes, the less you need to be using your finger to judge what is what. So a blind person touches your face and he knows knows who you are. His hand is a biometric scanner. Why? He doesn't have the eyes. No, before I used to wonder how does the blind person learn how to play uh, the uh, piano? You know, it is uh, it is easier for him than even you that can see. Or oh, because once he touches one, he associates with that sound any time. Now I said we have five senses, but actually there are six. The sixth one is the one we use to contact the spiritual. The more you use the five and develop them, the dollar... The sixth one is... That's why I'm going with all the talk. You walk by what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you touch, what you feel, what people around tell you, the less the Spirit of God can bring you up into the knowledge of truth by the Holy Spirit inside you. The way by which God merges the two is through His Word. So, if you said, my son, attend to my words... Incline your ears to my say. What is it trying to say? Take the physical senses you have and focus it on the word. What the word does is to come inside you and amplify your spiritual sense. That's what it does. That's why, please, I tell people when it comes to you know, knowing the spirit of God, now being led by the spirit of God, it's not about hearing voices in your ears. There's a way God builds up your insight that your thoughts and your feelings are taken over by the Spirit of God. But you have to, that's the point I'm making, you have to develop that. You have to. We Christians, and listen, that's the challenge of Christianity. God has brought us into a realm. It's called the realm of Christ. The more we exercise ourselves in the physical realm, the less the realm of Christ that we're supposed to walk in, the less we're able to walk in it. Life is spiritual. It is a one you can handle that becomes manifested around you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Look, life is very spiritual. My friend was telling me the other day that his dad was very ill. All right? He's 80-something. He had pneumonia all over the lungs. You understand? And he was in hospital, and really, the man knew he was going to die. But From what he even told me, that it's as if he felt people coming to take him, say, let's go. But the man just said, no. My time is not yet. I have things to do. My time is not yet. I have things to do. And he got well. Yes, the doctors will do what they can, but what really got him well was that he said, my time is not yet. I have things to do. Please, I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere. Because, you see, as believers, we have to exercise ourselves. And that's one one thing I want to emphasize about. The exercise to abide in that realm called Christ. Life is always pulling us down into the natural realm. The duty we have as believers is to keep pushing ourselves back up into the realm of Christ and walking in it. And listen, how do you do it? Jesus said something. You want to abide in me? He said, Let my words abide in you. Obey my commandments. Obey my instructions. You know what? Let me tell you what that means. Jesus is saying something. You know, the more I read the scriptures, eh, the more I find the things that Jesus said, I find that the prophets have said them. Yes. I don't have time. I didn't prepare to say that. I'll put a few together. Almost everything that, that the Lord Jesus will tell you. You understand? If you read all the way from Moses down to Malachi, you will find th- that these prophets have said those things. Now, please bear that in mind. There's a reason why I said it. I'll bring, I'll bring it up again. But let's assume I made a complicated mechanical structure. And I want you to be able to operate it. I will not give you details on how I made it. It's unnecessary. Let me give you an example. Your car. An average person does not know when you press the brake that small press, high is amplified to push discs out, all right? Or push, you know, calipers out and all of that to keep your car, to make the car stop. What do you concern you? All you know is that is the brake light on? No, it's not on. It should be working. If you press it, it should work. If it doesn't work, you carry it to the mechanic. It's a mechanic that has the divine duty <laughs> to be finding out what is wrong here, what is not wrong. You see what I'm saying in a moment. Now, Christ Jesus... He said, there is a, please pardon me to use the expression, there's a complicated spiritual structure that has been put in place. You are supposed to walk in that realm. He doesn't give you details on how it works. He gives you simple instructions to follow. For example, you say, do you want to abide in Christ? You say, yes. He said, take no thought for the morrow. The I say, what supposed to do? I abide in Christ. I abide in Christ. Many of those confessions we make, they don't make any meaning. It's like trying to drive your car and you say, This car, I drive you, I drive you. You go around, I drive the car, I drive the car. This car, you are going right now at 80 kilometers an hour, and you are going to stop, you know, when we get to that junction. No. If you want the car to go at 80 kilometers an hour, you turn the key, you go down on the you no know, in the, the throttle or accelerator, and you give it time to get to 80 kilometers an hour. If you want to come to a halt, you take your foot off the throttle, you transfer it to the brake, and after a while, it's going to come down to zero. Your confessions not necessary. I hope you're getting my point. So, to abide in Christ, Jesus has given us a lot of instructions. So, that's why he said to them, you must, let let me just go back there. John chapter 15, let me just go back to that John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine, the father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And I said, you already make claim because of the word I've spoken. Abide in me and I in you. Now, he said, verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. I hope you're getting my point here. You see, he was explaining to them the way by which you abide in me is by my words abiding in you. The way by which you abide in me is by keeping my commandments. I'm looking for that scripture. He said, for my father is glorified in this, that I bear more fruit. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's what I was looking for. If you do what? Keep my commandments. So how do I abide in Christ as an example? If he says, love your enemies, do good to them that despitefully use you. Jesus didn't say, go and confess. I abide in Christ. I abide in Christ. I abide in Christ. He said, no. Confess. I love my enemy. (laughs) I love my enemy. Those who despisively use me, I will pray for them. I will do good to them. That's the confession you need to help you obey. No matter how much you confess, if you don't obey, you will not be able to abide. I hope you're getting my point here. That confession is to help you obey. Obedience is the key to abiding. So, the realm of Christ, which has been prophesied from time, the prophets have told, shown us, you know, the portals to, used to enter. Jesus has taught us the throttle to press to get into the cruising speed of Christ. He has shown those things to us all over the scriptures. For example, he tells you, take no thought for the morrow. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, and with what will you clothe yourself? the more you worry about those things, the more you step out from the realm of Christ. I need to say something about the realm of Christ before we close today. Maybe I'll develop it for that next time. The more you worry about those things, the more you step out from the realm of Christ. If Jesus tells you something, forgive those who trespass against you. When you forgive those who trespass against you, you are abiding in Christ. Remember I said something. You have to exercise yourself. Let me modify what I said earlier. I want to bring out another point. You have to exercise yourself in the kind of realm that will manifest around you. Let me say this. Many of us preachers, we think we are teaching people spirituality. We are not. We are making them more kinder than before. Let me give an example. In fact, the reason why I said that are there enemies in this world? Yes. Why did Jesus say don't worry about the enemies? He said because if the way of a man pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So that is why he doesn't want us focused on that. He says, okay, how do I get into the place where these so-called enemies, their problems will not, I mean, their anger cannot affect me. Into a place where their arrows will get back into their own hearts. Into a place where whatever they do against me, we hurt them. If I don't pray for them. You say, what do I do? Pray for them. Forgive them. I don't think about them. But by obeying what the Lord Jesus said, I enter into a realm where enemies' arrows don't fly into. I don't have to wake every morning. Every arrow fired against me. back to sender. That is how it will hit you. I hope you are getting what I am going to explain here. That is how it will hit you. What you need to do is dwell, the Bible says, in the secret place of the most high. How do you dwell in it? Jesus says, It's by obeying the things I tell you. If I tell you, go on a mission. Take no purse or script. Don't greet any man on the way. What I'm saying to you is simple. I have surrounded you with the realm of abundance. That means you don't need to take anything with you. Now, if you take the purse, if you take the extra, it will help you when you get there. No doubt, but you will never experience the divine provision that he could have given. So, if you were able to carry money to last for four days, and suddenly the mission extends for two weeks, at the end of the fourth day, you are broke. You now have a choice of two. Either die of hunger or abandon the mission. I don't know whether you're getting my point. And in both circumstances, you will be in trouble with the Lord when you get back. When you get back, the Lord will say, yes. Yeah, the Holy Spirit and the angels, they moved people, and I expect this kind of result. he say, Lord, we we'll stop at that for this. he said, say, why? We're hungry. So he says, why should you be hungry? Or let us assume, you say, no, we must finish this mission. The last, you finish the mission. In fact, by the seventh day, hunger has de- deactivated the mission. That is, the people you are mission, missioning on, are not the ones carrying you up and are looking for who will resuscitate you. When you now give back to the Lord, he will now say to you, what happened? Why did you frustrate the things I planned? It's a simple instruction that you disobeyed. He said, when you are going, don't take anything. Don't take any extra provision. But you disobeyed him, you took. By doing that, you stepped out of the realm of Christ, the realm of his abundant provisions, and you stepped into the realm in which natural things work. But then, with all your trust in medicine, you will find a day that a disease will break out, which medicine doesn't have what? Cure for. Let me quickly say something to you. We can't discuss that in details now. Be very careful when you are reading natural instructions of men concerning how to prolong your life. I'm not saying they don't walk, they walk until they jam. The problem with people is this. We normally spend so much effort. You know, let me give an example. When I say the kind of advice I hear from people concerning health. Now, I'm a, I'm a doctor by natural training. Okay, so I know, I know small, even if I don't know too much. Okay? But I think I know more than all of you here. And 99% of those who are listening to me now. You know, when I hear the instructions they give for prolonging your life, and the way Christians relate with me, I've talked with people before that I want to remind the person. First, we are both believers. Two, you are not a doctor, I'm a doctor. So what are you telling me? That is, you are giving me natural things. You're not even drawing me. So if you drag me into the realm of the spirit, then I can calm down. But when you are on the realm of the physical, you shouldn't be talking when I'm talking. You should respect yourself. Because if I drop three medical words for you, they will carry you to hospital. Yet you argue with me on what prolongs life, what does not prolong life. I say, what is, what is going on here? Now, you see, I'm going to bring out something here. The amount of attention, okay, that even Christians pay to how to prolong their lives, you realize that they have one thing sure in their minds. That long life is not the gift of God. It's not the gift of God. When you see the effort, one day a man died, had an accident and he died. I was talking with one man of God. He said, this is a problem. These church people are wicked. I said, are they wicked. That the man did not have a decent car. If he had a good car now, at least when that accident happened, he would have survived. I didn't know how to answer. That a child of God died, not just a child of God. A minister of the gospel died and you think it's a bad car that killed him. Then Saul died for having a bad car. Then Ahab died because not by a good a good car. A good didn't buy a good chariot. His horses were not strong. They were not strong. But the Bible makes it clear to us Saul died for the trespass he committed against the Lord. So God killed him and dashed the kingdom to David. Listen, I'm trying to say something here. If you want your life, if you want the length of your life to be equal to that which God planned, during which period you'll be able to fulfill his plan for your life, are you getting my point? Exercise yourself in what he has said about long life, not in how to jog. Jogging is not bad, but the Bible says clearly, physical exercise does not prolong life. He said he prolongs it by two extra days. Now, I'm the one that did that calculation and said two days. But it doesn't give you 10 years. Otherwise, the Bible has been wrong when it says it provides what? It, 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 it uh, profits little. Do you know, you see Christians running up and down, jogging, going for a check here and there, who if you ask them, what do you think God's purpose for your life is? They have no idea. I would have said, why don't you spend that energy to settle down and say, Lord, the giver of life. The giver of life. Why did you give me life? And until the day, you must understand, life and death is not in the power of coronavirus. The keys of death and of Hades are not with coronavirus. They are not with diabetes. They are not with high blood pressure. They are not with cancer. They are with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you ask yourself, am I going to live in a realm in which Jesus decides when I live and when I die? Or, because that is what caused the argument. When people have exercised themselves in natural phenomena, when Paul says things like, I am in a confusion, a strait between two, whether to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, or to stay here. For more work. I don't know which one to choose. It doesn't make sense because they don't understand. Paul, what if you are hypertensive? You could have a stroke. Why? Because they know everything about cholesterol. They know everything about sugar. Which unfortunately, (laughs) let me not start now. Half of what they know are wrong. And doctors will change them next year. You know, until two years ago, if you eat cholesterol, you will die. So every food. Low cholesterol, low cholesterol. Then two years ago, they say sorry, 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 it's a mistake, it's a mistake. Cholesterol that you eat does not change the quality of your life. But they have taught the world for 30 years. So Christians who have believed that for 30 years. How do they manage now? <laughs> but I don't want to get into that, because we're not talking accuracy of physical science, no. But what I want to say is this. When we exercise ourselves in physical things, it becomes real to us. We start dying by chance. We fall sick when the disease is coming. We get healed when the doctors find a cure. Why? We did not take time out to abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ is a deliberate effort we must put in in living our lives. How do we abide in Christ? It's simple. He has loaded the scriptures with simple instructions loaded them left, right, and center with simple instructions. Instructions are as simple as rejoice. Once again, I say rejoice. So you must, you know, there are things people say, I don't know how to do. No, God said, you will learn it. You will learn it. Let me give an example. You don't know how to dance. I command you in the name of Jesus, go and learn how to dance. Amen. You, you must dance. So. Yes, you know, you are very spiritual. This is how you'll be doing In fact, how you ask your wife to marry you, I, we still don't understand. He <laughs> like, said, rejoice. Again, I say what? Rejoice. God does not give advice. I learned that from Edko many years ago. He never gives advice. He only gives commandments, instructions. Each one you disobey is to your own parent. I hope you're getting my point. He says simple things like rejoice. He said, come aside and rest for a while. Jesus told the disciples. He was not advised, you know, it's good to rest. No, it's a commandment. The place of rest, I want to pour a spirit into you that you will use to go for the next assignment. If you go for the next assignment without receiving that spirit, the assignment will wear you out. how do we abide in Christ? The word of God is loaded with instructions. Every instruction. If it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. You want to abide in Christ, you will take your Bible. You know, like I was saying earlier about technology. Technology has enough space for Christ and the Antichrist. Please. Let us by tomorrow. You see my the essay I just wrote on the the mark of the beast. Please read it. You realize that listen, technology, there's space for everybody there. And God did it like that. They said, Should we shut it down? He said, No, 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 if you shut it down, you will uproot the tears with the wheat. So let them grow together. The day of harvest. I will say two things. Don't worry. I know his mind. I know his antichrist. Oh, I don't want to start preaching that now, that we won't leave here Because the thing when I wrote it, I was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. People say, Antichrist will use this technology. You know what God said? Any technology he meets on the ground, when his time comes, he will use. If it's Byron and people are using to communicate, Antichrist will use it. If I use a 7G at that time, he will use 7G. So don't worry about anything. That's what God is saying. That the thing that holds the Antichrist back, it's not absence of technology. Yes, what sucks the Antichrist in is apostasy. It is not technology. Anyway, let's not talk about that now. <laughs> what I'm going to say is this. So, God gave you technology. That's why I to do that. Use it eh, to obey the word that says meditate day and night. Like the one my wife did, which I copied from her. She put alarm on when to pray. <laughs> I don't know whether I get my point. So no matter how bad it is, when the alarm goes off, people like can say, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." Now prayer. You know there are times you don't want. You want to sleep. Sleep is not coming. There's an arrangement that I've. Whether it is Satan or flesh, I have defeated it, so that whichever way I win, what do I mean? If sleep does not come, I hear one hour of teaching. You know what I've noticed, 10 minutes ago listening to his sleep come. So whichever way I win. So when I, li- <laughs> when I lie down at night, there was a time that I was so bothered about it, I went to ask for advice. How come I'm not sleeping? When I'm supposed to sleep? This is, I don't care anymore. Once I lie down and sleep doesn't come, I've opened my phone. I uh, have so all kinds of messages, I just go, okay, let me choose this one. Answering the call of God. That's one message by Ken Hagen, I must have listened to more than 100 times. What is it, 100 times? It's like playing music for me. At the time, it was like playing music. You know, you don't know how many times you have listened to Ron Kenoli. I just put the phone on my chest like this. The man starts preaching. It's either I sleep or I'm blessed. One of the two. Whichever way, I am blessed. I use that technology now. That's what I'm making. To obey the word of Christ. The more I obey that word, the more I abide in him. Abiding in Christ is not about I abide, I abide, I abide. No. It's obey, obey, obey. There are so many little instructions here and there Covering this and that, including how you spend your money, spend it the way he has said. And when you're in the realm of Christ, that is when. Listen to this. Let me end it here. All the promises of God are only confirmed where? In In whom? In Christ. In whom? In Christ. The gospel of divine healing is confirmed in Christ. The gospel of divine prosperity is confirmed in Christ. The gospel of long life is confirmed in Christ. The problem is with Christians or people is that they want to live in the flesh. Then the time of calamity, they want to tap the blessings that are only confirmed in Christ. But it does not work. Let's stop here. We'll continue on that point next time. Let's bow down here to pray. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's give the Lord thanks.